to be hot. And that's because we have this... Do you remember this song? Summer of 96. I was 11. A distant, synthesized, otherworldly voice says, I ran to the radio to record the song on a cassette tape every time I heard Dr. Dre's intro. Now let me welcome everybody to the Wild Wild West. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest. It felt like Dre was introducing everyone to the place that we called home. And then he said, A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. And I eventually learned who Elliot Ness was. A pretty well-known Prohibition era agent. Dre's voice eventually listed places and landmarks throughout the state. And made the song feel not just flashy and cool, but also informative. It felt like a social studies class that I always wanted, but never had. In 96, my mom and I were living in our first apartment. She was 31 and had just moved us to the west side from southeast LA. We didn't have much, but we did have one of those TVs with the VHS cassette players inside of them. We bought it at Circuit City the first night we moved to the west side. I also learned what a bagel was that night and saw string cheese for the first time. Man, memories are wild. But when Tupac's voice came on halfway through the song, that really did something to me. I twisted my fingers in the shape of a W. For the west side, of course. Like I seen Tupac do. My right arm flew high in the sky like I seen rappers do in music videos. California Love got me hyped up every time I listened to it. I felt larger than I was. And that's exactly what the song was meant to do. But I'm not just here to talk about that song, though. I'm not. I promise. I eventually left LA 20 years later and became a New York Times writer. And I traveled all over the world. I wanted to learn how people outside of LA lived, what made them different, what made them the same. I got to see Japan, the lowrider scene in Nagoya, Brazil, Mexico. I did a story about fatherhood in Madagascar and rode trains all over the country. I wrote a story about black communities in Peru. I worked on a story about multiracial identity in Belgium. I felt like I was one of the lucky ones because none of my friends and family could ever join me. Sometimes, I felt a deep sense of guilt. I was flying in airplanes, the same ones I used to look up at the sky and dream about as a kid in Southeast LA. But I had to leave LA to learn about the world. And LA taught me so many things. It taught me how to survive, how to read people, 
and how to spot a dangerous situation from a mile away. Like that one time in Madagascar, when a police squad robbed me at gunpoint, I somehow got out of that. Or in Peru, when our bus driver abandoned us in the Andes Mountains, and I had to save a clown's life, a real clown. That's a long story, but me and the clown, we both survived. As I grew and changed, LA, I heard, was also changing. Friends were being forced out of the homes that they had lived in for years. Like my friend Robert, who had to move out of Venice because the price of rent got too high. Or my other friend Jose, who had to move to Arizona. My other friend Michelle, she also had to leave the West Side. The places that I grew up loving were all closing down. The Cork and Mid-City, one of the last black-owned bars in the city, Closed. Cha-Cha-Cha in East Hollywood. Closed. La Fiesta Brava in Venice. Closed. The Elotero Man by Sunset Boulevard in Echo Park. He had to go too. Even Mission Hospital on Florence Boulevard, where I was born. It changed too. It's now smart and final. And I was born on aisle six. That's weird, right? Now I know this may sound privileged, but traveling really started to wear me out because I began living through the online and social media experiences of my friends and family. I liked and commented on photos while I waited in TSA lines at the airports, while I sat in lonely hotel rooms, while I ate the nasty turkey sandwiches that Delta gives you on their flights. And the food poisoning? Damn. The food poisoning? I don't miss that. You know what I really miss, though? I miss buying white tees and gold chains at the Slots of Swap Meet. I miss hopping on the blue line on Florence and taking it downtown. I miss that one dude on the train, you know, the guy who wears a hustler hat, who sells speakers, snacks, and bootleg iPhone chargers that nobody ever buys. I missed him. And on top of that, the people in my family who raised me, my mom, Hi, mijo. ¿Cómo my tias, my tío, And my cousins, they were all getting older and their bodies were becoming more vulnerable. And one thing about me, I'm an only child and I'm one of the first in my family to have been born here. And there's a lot riding on my shoulders. My family didn't have much, but they gave me everything. I was expected to come back and help my family, to be there for them, because at the end of the day, I am my family's safety net. Some people will call us a burden, but I don't. I call it responsibility. You know what, though? It wasn't just about my family. It was also about my city. I began to feel an obligation to tell real LA stories. The missed birthdays, the missed family gatherings, the missed baptisms, it all became too much to bear. I had to come back home. I moved back to Matias' house in Huntington Park two years ago to take care of her mostly, the same house that I was raised in. Every time I leave this neighborhood, I feel like an outsider, 
and like someone who doesn't belong. All the rumors that I've heard, I'm seeing, are now true. The Cork in Mid-City, closed. Cha-Cha-Cha in East Hollywood, closed. La Fiesta Brava in Venice, closed. But I'm back now. In LA, something happened to you while I was gone. I try to go back to Venice every Sunday, where I lived as a teenager. And the Venice that I knew, full of black and brown people, beautiful black and brown people, has now changed. And you know what? Damn. Everywhere you turn, there are tech bros. Every place I traveled to, I praised you. I showed you love. And I spoke so highly of you, L.A. You were supposed to withstand gentrification. But instead, you embraced it. Your neighborhoods don't really look like they did anymore. There's a lot more white people and less people who look like me here. You're really flawed. You're not a perfect city. There's so many things that you have to work on. Like how you treat your homeless. Access, access to public transportation. Providing more affordable housing. How we treat people of color in this city. I'll stop here, but I could go on. I know it's complicated, but there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And I'm not the only one who feels this way about you. Because even though you sometimes feel like a stranger to me, I still really, really love you. I do. And I want to show everyone why. Most of my life I've lived here in Compton and I never knew this was here. Probably get to 800, if not over 1,000 parrots here within the next 10 minutes. I was like, how do you dress? And he was like, you know, like a casual gangster. And I was like... <laughs> and I said, mijo, look, look, those cowboys, they are black cowboys. I want everyone to see who you are, to me. This is California Love, and I'm Walter. episode drops every Thursday this summer on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.